Hey guys, it's the beginning of the year, 2024, and I'm really excited about it. But you know what? Before we hurl ourselves into the future, let us slide back into the past and take a look at some of our most interesting episodes. That money is gone. You're not going to get it back. Just end it now. To me, it would make a lot more sense if everybody's credit was frozen as a default. Why does this resonate? Because it was designed to. But in reality, we all can be targeted because all forms of deception take advantage of how we think and reason by default in naturally good ways. Will there be churros though? Because I feel like in 2024, I want to eat a lot of churros. <laughs> and with that, welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Beaufried Leonard. And I'm Travis Taylor. This is the first time we're we're a hundred and what twenty some odd episodes in, and I I can no longer pick favorites. Yeah, and the guests we had were extremely varied. Absolutely, I mean, think of it: we ran the gamut from animals to romance to big crime, tech, privacy. That's quite an expansive view. Animals? I don't remember any animals. Animals? Well, we had the kitten lady and the puppy scam. Oh, that's right. I know we put this in terms of what our favorite episodes are, but you know, some of these things that we talked about were pretty gruesome, ugly, heart-wrenching. So it's more the episodes that stood out. For sure. Several of the stories this year revolved around romance scams. What was your take on the romance scams this year, Adam? Well, I mean, you had a certain situations where people lost their entire life savings. Even though we touched on romance scams for several episodes, None of the romance scams were exactly the same. They were extremely varied. The tactics used by the scammers were varied. Uh, and the way that the guests that we had on were impacted were also completely different in each circumstance. And many of the people who get tricked by these romance scammers, they, they become addicted to them. Yeah, that was actually one of the really striking things about the episode with April, whose mom was addicted to her scammer. So let's just let's just go back over a little bit of the story here again. Just and that is your mom finds out she has ovarian cancer. Understandably, she's feeling lonely. She turns to online dating. I remember laying on the couch watching TV. She sent me the picture of him and said, I've been dating online and this is the man I've met. And how long did it take before he uh, started to ask for money? Mm, that was probably eight months or so. She ended up giving him 350000 Whoa. And I didn't realize it was 350000 until after she died. We got a hold of her phone and we went through all the text messages and all the lies she told. We thought that were lies. We confirmed that it was all lies. Just like a, a drug addict would lie to their family. It's, it just gets so ugly. These victims turn into people that you don't recognize anymore. Well, and what happened, if you think about it, they, it's both sides of an investment. You have the scammer who's making the investment because he or she thinks there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, which in this case was the case. And then you have the victim who is, if you need help, I'm here to help you because they're investing in their end of the relationship because they wanted to go the distance. So Adam, I have to say that if you 
asked me for money, I wouldn't hesitate to give it to you because I know you're good for it. And I think that's a big part of how these scammers work. They always are the banker, the diamond mine owner. It does seem that there, that one feature of this is a rich person who somehow is not liquid and needs help. Is that always the case, April? Always the case. And I think that they've noticed that mom was a widow. See, she just got money from... Life insurance, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. that happened to your mom. Your mom just kind of walked into it, although she found him, he found her. Do we know how that started? Um, He found her on Plenty of Fish. But you know, one thing, I'm still grappling with uh, being angry at my mom. And right before this interview today, I was thinking about it. You know, looking back on my life, the mistakes I've made in my life all involved my heart and men. And so I try to keep that in mind when I'm when I'm remembering what happened and being angry at her that, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in that department, too. So that's for my own mental health. If I had all the money back I ever set, spent on sending flowers to people who weren't interested in me. <laughs> I would be a very wealthy man right now. I'd be able to buy a new truck. <laughs> I got to ask, so what happened when your mom realized she'd been scammed? Uh, did she stop sending him money? I know, I assume she did, but did, was there any attempt to get that money back? Uh, well, her, that part of the problem with once they figure out that they are being scammed, they think that they're smart enough that they can out-scam the scammer. So she kept talking to him mm -hmm. so she could get that money back. And I told her, you're not, that money is gone. You're not going to get it back. Just end it now. And she would not. Oh, then what happened? So then she became a money mule. Even if she's, even if you don't have any money, they still have things that they can do with you. And that is that they've taken the money that they're getting from other victims and they want to run it through you and have you run it through other bank accounts and different things, gift cards and things to make it look more legitimate. And she so became a money mule. What was it? What did they have her doing in terms of them? How did they get the money to her? And what were they asking her to do? They would open up bank accounts and close them right away once she got the money and sent them to another bank. And then they would also, they would do weird things like, like send her a computer and then they'd have her sell the computer and then send the money. It was just, they, wow. she always had money coming in and going out somewhere. So how long did that go on before this thing finally ended? Uh, let's see, from the beginning of the scam to the end, it was two years because right when the pandemic hit is when she died. If she would not have died, she still would have been doing it. You know, I, I could see it happening. I've seen it with my friends in codependent relationships with people who were really bad for them. They accept behavior and situations that are just not acceptable. But the way that that woman became addicted to her scammer, it was, it was, it, it was, it was like watching somebody, you know, might as well be hitting a crack pipe. One of the other ones that stood out to me was Brian Denny, because he wasn't necessarily the victim of a scam, but scammers kept on using his likeness. So how did you first discover that you were unknowingly involved in a scam? Well, it was like a bucket of cold water was all at once. They're like, I was uh, just leaving the army. Uh, I was uh, updating my LinkedIn profile, as a lot of people do. I've never had one. 
And so I got a contact very quickly from a lady in Canada. Uh, and she said, hey, I'd like to talk. I'm looking at your profile. And I, I was naive enough still. So I, I said, yes. I said, here's my phone number. If you'd like to talk, give me a call. Uh, and I really, quite frankly, I just assumed it was all about a job or something they were, they were looking for an army guy to do. And uh, she reached out and said, hey, you know, I think we've been, we've had a conversation over the last couple of, uh, couple of weeks. I'm like, nope. Um, I hadn't been talking to anybody and, and I asked her to explain and she said, well, you and I have been talking and I'm going to send you some pictures. She sent me several pictures that I recognized as me off, uh, off of Facebook and some army photos that the army had taken of me when I was deployed. And, uh, and then she said, I'm going to send you a pair of tickets. She sent me plane tickets that had my name on them where I was flying into Montreal. She said, you're supposed to be in Syria right now. Now, I can't imagine that this woman didn't sound somewhat intense at this point. Sounds like she was put through the mill a little bit. She yeah. was contacting you essentially because she felt you were a scoundrel. Am I right? I think she was trying to put the pieces together. I think she had been told by her daughter, hey, this isn't real. You're not talking to this guy. And her daughter went on LinkedIn, found my image and said, this is the guy that you're talking to that says he's talking to you, but I'm sure it's not that guy. And she reached out. In fact, she was quite, quite decent about it. She quickly came around to the, yep, I've been scammed without a lot of evidence, without me having to go to some strong links to explain that to her. And, and a lot of people don't get to that quickly, but yeah, she, she put it together pretty quick. And, uh, and she said, go to Facebook, put your name in, your, in the search bar and see what happens. And I did. And there were double digits of my pictures and fake profiles that came up. Yeah, he was the victim of a scam, though. He was just a different sort of victim. <laughs> he was, yeah. he was, he should have, he really should just have sued for name, image, and likeness. And, you know, the scammer should have been giving him a piece of their take. Now, he was also a very honest guy and a law and order guy, so obviously he's not going to do that. And he just emerges a uh, a scammer, a maquette for the person that everybody's looking for. And he and his family took an enormous amount of grief from. I mean, imagine as a you you come in the house and your spouse comes, you said, "I got another call that you're having an affair with so and so." It's like, no, I'm not. Well, that's where the addiction thing comes into play again, too, because he, if he's saying this isn't accurate, this isn't correct. Some of the people that were getting strung along by scammers refused to believe that they refused to believe him or his wife, that that was a phony profile online. And I thought that was uh, just fascinating in a very sad sort of way. But another feature of these romance scams, of course, was the massive hemorrhaging of money. <laughs> leaving accounts. And I didn't think that was possible. I thought maybe someone would get taken for a thousand dollars or something or, you know, playing fair, but we learned otherwise this year. No, we had uh, Shreya Donna, $450,000 in a cryptocurrency scam that started as a romance scam. The other thing that stood out with Shreya was that she wasn't necessarily just handing over money 
into a crypto scam, they had set up a phony app that made it look like she was making money. Shreya, how did this lead to a request for money? Did he ask you to help with the cancer treatments for his uncle or what? No. So this was very sophisticated. So not for a second, I thought I was giving this guy any money. So here's how it started. He started talking about like shared hopes and dreams. Like he was serious and just started talking about retirement plans. Very quickly, he led on that he was really well to do. Like he was going to be able to retire in one or two years. What was my plan? I have a regular tech job. I told him that was not in the realm of possibility for me. At which point he said, you know, dream bigger. I'm here. Now that I'm here, you know, I make a lot of money trading cryptocurrency. I could teach you. And then I was like, I'm not really interested. But then as he kept talking more and more about shared dreams, about how nice it would be to have the freedom and flexibility to retire earlier, travel more together. One of our common hobbies was traveling. I had taken two years off to just travel, the not off, but as a digital nomad to travel the country. So we talked a lot about traveling. So I decided I would learn. So he sent me, he said, oh, it's completely okay, start small, this is your own account, it's your money, you know, I'm just going to teach you what to, what kind of trades I make. So he sent me this link to this app and I thought I downloaded what I thought was so far the publicly listed bank crypto trading platform. But turns out it was the Mirror app. So, so just for our listeners who are listening, you're saying that this person directed you to an app to invest in uh, on a platform that was itself completely fraudulent, but very, very believable. Nothing about it was real. It just looked very real to me. Uh, it had customer service, all the branding, all the logos, everything that you would think of. And the first couple of times, you know, I put in a thousand dollars, thousand became twelve hundred fifty. I I could bring all my money back to my bank. So the money went from my bank to Coinbase to this exchange. The fact that Coinbase let me transfer to this exchange made me feel like, okay, this is okay. It's Sophie's cryptocurrency platform. And the fact that I could transfer back from this exchange to Coinbase to my bank account the first couple of times really helped me feel like this is real and this is my money in my account. And what a nice person. He's just teaching me how to accelerate my retirement plans. That's how the money part of it started. But I never thought I was giving him my money. I thought it was my money in my own account. And this had two-factor authentication and everything behind it too, so... This sounds like it was a really sophisticated scam overall. Yes. You could transfer the money that you made to your bank account and you actually saw the money there? Mm -hmm. Well, that reminds me of Three Card Monty, the way that they play these tricks on the street where you win, you win, you win, you win, and then they flip a switch and you start losing. What, What happened in this process? So I'm guessing you didn't keep winning all the time? No, here's the thing. So the first couple of transactions, I got my money back. And then he started telling me that there's these things called large stable notes, which in crypto world means something like a investment opportunity that's short-lived. And I needed to build a certain amount of capital in this trading account, this crypto trading account, so that I could take advantage of it. So I started putting in more of my savings into this crypto trading account. And uh, he would set up 
like you know at night he would set up these times where he would be like okay now we trade he'll tell me exactly what trades to make so buy this much for 5 5 minutes buy you know so he'd tell me what to do and i would do exactly that in the app and i would see my money multiply like i would see like okay i put in 20000 today it became you know 28000 so and what happened was after a while i did not start putting it back in my bank account he encouraged me to build the balance up so that i could make bigger trades i realized it was a scam when after i had built up a lot of capital and made a lot of gain i lost 450000 I guess the key takeaway here when you talk about these kinds of scams is money. But then again, of course, there are some people that will tell you that's a problem in relationships as well. Well, I don't know. I think that, you know, there's the there it is a problem in relationships, especially when one person has more money than the other. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about somebody who seemed to be uh creating a situation of trust. where it became possible to steal a sizable amount of money and it seems as though he was working on that from day one. Yeah, and it just goes to show that they were intelligent people, they were well educated, they were not really just completely naive. That shows exactly how vulnerable anyone is to the sort of scam or scams in general. So Bo and Adam, you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address, or your phone number, or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file. and uh just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it. I like it and they make it quick, easy and safe to remove your personal data online. We well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com/wth and use promo code WTH the only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com/wth and enter promo code WTH at checkout that's joindeleteme.com/wth promo code WTH which stands for what the hack and we thank you for supporting delete me and what that This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities. It's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means you get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like such cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com and please mention that 
What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. This year we had uh, some topic experts who came in handy. No, they sure did. One in particular was Dan Simons, who wrote the book Nobody's Fool. And he was talking about how people tend not to ask a lot of questions. They tend to believe what's in front of them and never think about what am I not seeing? So I think the one, if there's one big point here, it's that it's really easy to look at a scam from the outside and say, yeah, the person who fell for it, they were gullible. They didn't spot the red flags they should have. But in reality, we all can be targeted because all forms of deception take advantage of how we think and reason by default in naturally good ways. So I think one thing that we try and focus on is what is it that leads us to be deceived by looking at commonalities across many forms of deception as opposed to going into depth and looking at why somebody fell for a particular scam. He was a great guest and his book was excellent. If you like the subject matter of the show, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe one of the better episodes this year. And that's saying a lot because we had a lot of very interesting people on. Dan Simon really made me think twice about the psychology of being scammed because it seems to me like it, 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 you know, to go back to the addiction idea, there's something about going down the rabbit hole that, uh, is kind of appealing or unavoidable for some people. They got to touch this hot stove. I don't know. Well, what Dan was talking about is, is how when you're presented with something that is either very different than something you're used to or completely in line with the way you believe about something, you have a tendency not to look behind it. You have a tendency to accept it, that your mind is also trying to be very efficient. And sometimes the fastest answer is, in your mind, the best answer, and it may not be. Yeah, and there's also a strong element of wish fulfillment that we say pretty often, uh, if something sounds too good to be true, it is. And that's easy to say if you're looking at that externally. But for a lot of people, if something sounds too good to be true, that is really tempting. That is the stove that they want to touch. Another expert we had on was David Maiman. David Maiman kind of scared the shit out of Adam, I think, because of the, the whole driver's license thing. In late 2020, the beginning of 2021, we started to see how things were exploding and diffusing all around the country. And of course, one of the things that we've seen playing a very important role in the diffusion of those applications was the fake driver licenses that the criminals were able to manufacture very cheaply, very quickly, in very high quality. In many of the applications, we've seen the criminals presenting a driver license, a fake driver license with an identity on it. And we've seen how they used the driver license to simply type in and record all the information they needed to record on the Department of Labor, right, of all the relevant states, websites, and simply getting improved uh, in very high rates. We started to see criminals selling tutorials of how to bypass some of the security mechanism that 
many states embraced and deployed in the context of their verification process. And we started shouting all over the place, hey, these guys know how to bypass this company security mechanism and that company security mechanism. And unfortunately, we didn't get too much attention to our calls. I think uh, one of the biggest questions I have, and I know it's not really possible to get inside every scammer's head, but what was motivating them between identity theft and the government program scams and the like? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, they want money. But what about the guys doing the tutorials and the like? So those guys were doing tutorials. That, that, that you have to understand, I mean, at this point, and even earlier, right, when we were talking about 2020, we were talking about a very sophisticated supply chain. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about the teenager who are looking to just kill some time. And so they submit this fraudulent application trying to get some money from the government. No, we're not there anymore. And we weren't there in 2020. We were experiencing the operation of very sophisticated supply chains, which had access to our identities, took our identities, manufactured fake driver licenses with the criminal images bypassing all the security mechanism you can imagine in order to get this money. So profit is the number one reason for why these guys are doing this. Now, you do have folks who are simply there for the three. What we are seeing out there, the amount of money we're seeing out there, you know, we are talking about folks doing this for profit. It's easy. There's really no deterrence right now. So the probability that they will be caught for their operation and go to jail is relatively low. In, in terms of potential profits, these guys can make millions of dollars and invest not a whole lot of time in the operation. And if you're listening, guys out there, and you're g- going to go and try your hand at some of these crimes, just remember that David and the whole crew at What The Hack get 25% of everything you bring in. So we'll take that via Venmo or through Bitcoin. Wait, but, only 25%? Come on. Last time we tried to take more, it, we ended up almost becoming violent criminals again. So no. It's a surprisingly low-tech thing, but so much of your identity is tied to just a little rectangular uh, piece of plastic. Well, and if you have someone's driver's license, you can do something like steal their vacant lot on the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) That you could do. (laughs) My least favorite thing this year was part of my favorite episode, which was I called Travis. Do you remember what I said to you, Travis, when I was on my way home from New Jersey the second time? (laughs) I don't think I can use the exact language on the show. Yes, you can. You can always be bleeped. Adam needs to hear it. (laughs) I think... uh... Don't get me fired. (laughs) Replace the hack in what the hack with the F word. I think what I said was, I quit. I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) But yet, here you are. (laughs) So what happened was, Adam calls and he's like, it happened again. What happened? Well, we should start at the beginning. Test, test, one, two, one, two, testing. Hello, hello, testing, one, two. Hello, hello, hello. Boom, boom, boom. Pow, pow. So, so, uh, so I have a property in Manaloka, New Jersey. It's 100 linear feet on the ocean. It's vacant because it, the house was destroyed by Hurricane Sandy. And it's been in our families for many years. It was purchased back in 1983. And after Hurricane Sandy, the property's been vacant. 
I got a call from my co-owner and we both agreed that we would list the property and that he would contact a local broker because he grew up in the area. And he called back to me and said, the property's already listed. Well, first of all, Adam likes a scam the way a fat kid likes cake. And he, you know, so this thing was, was, was spiritual catnip. Sorry to mix my metaphors, but he was really excited. I got a call from Adam, as I often do, and occasionally he'll say, Friedlander, or he'll say something, but this time you said, I got scammed, or I'm getting scammed. Or, You're going to love this, Bo. You're going to love I this. I think one. that is what he said. You're going to love this. It was like a men's warehouse ad, <laughs> but it was for us. And and so Adam calls me and says, there's a, there's there's someone's trying to steal the property of Manilokan. I actually, you know, I like to say that he was like, you must go to New Jersey and you must do this. But honestly, I I volunteered because I thought I was I was the second coming of Dateline, you know, going to go down there and catch the criminal. I was pretty excited because I realized we could actually use this for the show. Testing, one, two. Hello, hello, hello. And I go to the place to get a recording. Hey, man, how are you? Hey. Now, how does this work? I mean, that's the big question. Normally, when you're going to sell a property, call a realtor and they do all the MLS stuff, which is the listing that makes it appear on Zillow and Realtor.com and Redfin and all the other places. And um, honestly, I've, I've sold a few properties and it's, and it's a mystery to me how it works, but it works. And I also have to say, I've never had to pass any kind of identity uh, authentication. Never. We went to the FBI, we contacted the realtor, we let the realtor know that they should leave the listing up because we didn't want to tip off the scammer that we knew what was going on. And the FBI came back after an initial investigation. They said, really not sure there's a lot that we can do, but it's right. up to you. You're the property owner. So if you want to, if you want to pull the listing and relist it or do what it's your property, do whatever you think is the right thing to do. So. We pull down the listing. We then talk about re officially listing the property. And lo and behold, I get a call from a second realtor who asked me if I'm Adam Levin. I go, yes, I am. And he said, well, didn't you just list your property with me? And I said, no, I did not list my property. I, who are you? And the story tracks. It's very similar to the first one. I meet the realtor on the beach. How Good. How are you? What's your name? Oh. Yeah, nice to meet you. So this is it, huh? So this is the lot. Now, so, uh, this place is pretty cool, I got to say. I'm, my first thought is, why is Adam selling this? The guy tells me about it. And then we go and we sit in his car. We call the guy. Call yeah, call Please leave your message for 407. Bupkis, crickets. He goes, go, 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 go. I go, I drive five hours, I get there. He hasn't told me that they pulled the listing. Now, what do you think the criminal's gonna think when he sees the listing's gone? Jig is up, right? You think he's gonna answer the phone from the realtor? No. I could have killed him. Now, without question, I think the biggest issue here is how do realtors, how do the people responsible for selling our properties confirm they're actually talking to us? 
I mean, we ran into this problem. We were trying to convince the realtors. I was the real Adam Levin. So I Googled Adam Levin yeah. and, you know, the, the, so, and then I emailed the real Adam Levin and said, hey, I just got off the phone with my attorney. Um, he said, I need to, I need to make 100% sure that you are who you say you are because I'm not gonna make the same mistake twice, right? So um, I Googled him, I Googled you know, the books he's wrote, I, I Googled um, his podcast, your podcast, um, I Googled um, you know, just his information in general. So I made, I made a question sheet for myself. So I made like, like five or six questions on this question sheet that I was gonna ask him when he called me in the morning and, and, and I was just gonna rapid fire these questions at him to make sure that he was, you know. It was like, it was like who, your par- who were your parents? Who were, where did you go to, where'd you go pre-grad? Where'd you go post-grad? You wrote a book, what was the logo on the book? And it was like, I, I made sure that I'd had, I was gonna be asking the right questions and he answered them like that, 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 real quick. So I, I knew he was- Did you mean the thumbprint with the- With the lock in the middle of it? Yes, that one, yes. So I wanted to make sure. Smart. Yeah, yeah. So, so and he, he passed. Oh, he passed. He Can passed flying colors. Now? Absolutely. Wait, here's my question. Yes. Pretend for a second I'm fake Adam Levin. Okay. I go online. I figure out that his parents are. Right. I look at his book. How do you know you still don't have fake Adam Levin? Well, that's why I. So, no, it's okay. So that that's why I wanted to ask him these questions quick. Just like bang, 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 bang. bang, bang. bang. Yeah. No, time. no, no. Exactly. I need him to go grab a phone. And, and did he and, do it super fast? He did went really fast. Yeah. And I. All right. Said, so you're satisfied. It's, I can tell you, I've known him for 12 years. It's, you have the real Adam Levin. <laughs> I know he owns that property. I remember when the house got eaten up by a hurricane. By Sandy. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. No, we were very lucky to catch this thing in the early stages of practically a non-crime crime because we caught it and pulled the listing off the market before someone sold it out from under me. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't practically a non-crime crime. It was a non-crime crime. The other thing that stood out there, too, is I know we've been trying to get a scammer on the phone for a while, and that was the event that, Bo, you finally got to. Hello. Hey, Adam. It's how are you? I'm good. Good, good. Um, yeah. So I was just um wondering if uh you had time to discuss the one offer that came in. Okay. Yes. Let's 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 do that. Stop. And then we call the guy up, and I'm so relieved when he answers, and he sounds not like he would be friends with the realtor. You know, it just doesn't sound like, it sounds like a different walk of life. Yeah, of course, like how many days closing? So they can close in 30 to 45 days. That's pretty standard. Hard to hear. He's intentionally down talking, low talking, saying as few words as possible, knowing full well that anything he says will be recorded probably. All right, no problem then. All right, I'll talk to you soon. I was very excited about that. And he really did sound like a scammer, didn't he? Well, 
you know, I, I, I still feel bad about, you know, suggesting that family realtors that we met <laughs> were actually the scammers, but I couldn't, I was just beside myself with like whodunit. It was very exciting. And it was, it was, it was, I kind of preferred the idea that I was in the room with the scammers and that I might get shot and turned into humble pie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bo, come on now. To be fair, we do accuse each other of being a scammer pretty much every episode. Or accidentally giving scammers how-to lessons. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rose has got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. We had some journalists in here. We had uh, Kashmir Hill talking about the dangers of facial recognition technology. So from your book, it sounds like there were companies that actually had either the resources or the technology or both um, to do facial recognition, but didn't because of either legal or moral um, implications of it. Did that just open things up for Clearview? When I first heard about Clearview AI, a lot of people you know, thought it was a technological breakthrough that they did this in Google and Facebook and decided that they didn't want to release it, you know, that it was too dangerous or too uh, legally risky. And what has happened in the last few years is open source technology and much more sharing of kind of these computer techniques. So for somebody who has just, you know, some technical savvy, they can take these powerful AI technologies. And if you, you know, have the computing power, 
and uh, the ability to store a lot of data, I mean, you can do really radical things. And so that's what happened with Clearview AI. It's the kind of building blocks were there. And it was just a matter of being willing to cross that ethical line and put this all together. And they did. So we had Major Garrett from CBS, who has the podcast Agent Betrayal, which is the story of Bob Hansen, the highest ranking FBI official ever to be prosecuted successfully for selling secrets to the Russians. You're familiar with the phrase culture eats strategy for breakfast. (laughs) I don't think I've seen a better example. The, 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 The fact that the FBI culture was so lax and and complacent about their their security but it does it is a culture thing and and part of the culture was a grandiosity yeah about themselves we are the fbi we don't do things N- like that we don't yeah. do no no but we also no. don't we don't even miss recruit like we no, know we ne- we ne- we never blow it in recruitment we never blow it in promotion we never blow it in our way of of moving people around or understanding the criminal mind or understanding why people go bad, and we just we don't misunderstand anything, and that that grandiosity created a I think a very significant blind spot. And one thing I, I think Nicole Perlroth sort of wins the MVP here too because she was in her third trimester of pregnancy, I think eight and a half months pregnant when we were speaking to her. One of the things that you talk about in the epilogue of your book is something that we often discuss and call security by design. You don't call it that, but you do discuss the crucial, mission crucial thing that everyone needs to be thinking about in the the industrial sector and military, that to build security in, from the very beginning, from the very first line of code you write, you're thinking about security and keeping zero day exploits out that that ship has sailed already for for ai hasn't it yeah no i'll tell you something interesting that's not in the book which is um i would ask zero day brokers i came into contact to for the book at the end of our interview i'd always ask the same question is there anything you haven't been able to break and one of them who's in the book adriel desotel said yeah there actually is one green hill software i think they're based in santa barbara you should talk to them so I reached out to them and I thought, oh, this will be good for my epilogue, you know. Woman, female journalist, drives down the coast on Highway 1 to Santa Barbara to the sort of Shangri-La of Secure by Design. <laughs> that, they never got back to me, but then my book came out and I heard from them a lot saying, basically, why weren't we in this book and why haven't we talked yet? Well, the guy who runs Green Hill is Dan O'Dowd. So he's become famous recently as being the guy who has been calling out Elon and Tesla for self-driving cars. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so his whole thing was, listen, Nicole, I wish I could tell you there was some magic to our software, why it's so secure. But it's really because one of our first customers was the Pentagon. They wanted us to design an operating system for other missile delivery systems. And so we, in writing this operating system, we were just check. We were moving very slowly. We were operating almost like a monk, a monk-like focus on security and minimalism and stripping down the code to its fundamental basics, 
always with the question, am I checking my work? Because if this software has any bugs in it, then this missile delivery system could be used against us. So with that use case in mind, we designed the software and it ended up getting the highest security rating from the NSA and others. And he was saying, this is the approach, essentially. We're never going to take it to everything. We can't roll back on Windows and most commercial software. But this is the approach we should be taking to things like autonomous vehicles, the power grid, our pipeline network, our water storage, et cetera, and treatment. And so I'm, I'm not surprised he's been out there on this campaign calling out Elon's self-driving car software. That is the future. I think there are some systems that as a society would be great if we could have conversations and say, that is so sacred. We don't need artificial intelligence in our water treatment facilities. <laughs> we don't need artificial intelligence in some parts of the pipeline. But anyway, that's just like a dream that will never happen. You know, one of my favorite, favorite lines, takeaways from from one of our shows was the show that we did with Michelle Dennity. Oh, I know what he's going to say. He's so obsessed. Go ahead. I am. I am. I love this line. Well, so I will tell you something that is a bit controversial. And and so I will, I will, I call it my panties rule. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now that I don't have a PR department, I get to call it out, call it what it is. So That's I, right. Yeah. I call it my panties rule. I say, make your passwords like your panties. Now you have to follow these three rules together. Make them exotic. So use weird passwords, change them frequently, and that's where it, it gets <laughs> controversial because when you change them frequently, you have to keep them exotic. Right. Right. And don't share them with other people because that's gross. Okay. <laughs> that's true. So you, have, you have to follow them all in, in together, all those three rules. I so am. Exotic, just change them frequently and don't share with others. I like yes. that. Because it's gross. Cause yeah, because we're I, talking about cyber hygiene here. We're so, talking hey. about good hygiene. And we can't end the year without talking about the puppy scam. That's right. The story that Holly brought us about her friend Carl. Carl was scammed out of a few hundred dollars trying to get a new puppy for him and his wife, who was going through some medical difficulties. And even though at the end of the day, it wasn't their life savings, the amount of time and effort and energy that they lost while going through all this was a lot. But the episode had a surprise ending. So Holly, after all of this, did Carl and his wife ever get a dog? No, they did not, sadly. Oh. Um, and they were out. Um, the 200 to the puppy nanny, the... 250 for the vet visit, the 300 for the initial deposit. So they were out $750. And where things stopped was the puppy nanny, and this is a key, the puppy nanny had a family emergency. His daughter had an accident and he had to go to the hospital. And so he was going to ship the puppy to them in care of a trucking company. Of course, the trucking company turned out to be non-existent, but the trucking company because it was a big truck, they needed $1,100 for a special crate to put the puppy in to make sure that he traveled safely. And It, it just gets worse and, and worse. Well, and then if you go to the Better Business Bureau website, there are many, many times 
this crate, this special crate is brought up. It's part of the scam. And a lot of people end up paying for that. So when that came up, Carl put the brakes on and said, wait, we're getting taken here. This is going down a rabbit hole and we're going to just keep throwing money at this thing. They they stopped and they looked up the shipping company, found out it wasn't real. They looked up the address, found out it wasn't real, tried to message people and they didn't get any replies to their messages. And pretty soon they were blocked on the on the Instagram. You know, I looked up the Instagram recently and today, like even yesterday, it wasn't blocked. Today, that Instagram account is down. How's Carl's wife doing, by the way? Oh, she's had multiple surgeries and she has more ahead of her. And so it would have been awesome to have this little dog for her. So I hope they find another dog that'll work. And how are they emotionally? You know, it's been a few weeks now. I think first it was kind of shock and then anger after Mm. that. And then, you know, kind of resigned at how things can go bad in the world. All right, Holly, here's what I'm going to do because I feel terrible about this whole thing. Are you ready? I'm going to buy them a dog. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I'm going to cry. I mean, well, listen, Oprah gave away cars, so I figure <laughs> buying a dog. You get a dog. Just, and you get a dog. My dog just came in here when he announced that. He's excited too. <laughs> this is great. Thank you so much. I can't wait to share that news. So yeah. thank you. Wow. <laughs> Holly, thank, thank you so much. And, thank, and thank Carl for giving you his story. Holly, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. We thank you. We thank Carl and his wife, and we hope that she feels better soon. And it's been great getting to know you. Thank you so much. I was happy to be here. I can't wait to tell him he's going to be the first phone call when we stop here. Guess what? I have great news. I just did the podcast, and Adam... He is going to get you guys a dog. No. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. How's this happening? How's this happening? Well, well that's incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. I've, I'm gobsmacked here. So. I have no idea why Adam just decided to do this, but I just want to say, Adam, thank you. My husband and I are so grateful, and it is the most beautiful gift you could give us in our lives right now. It means so much to us, and I just wish I could say thank you in a million different ways, but I hope you know from the bottom of our heart, really, this is a life changer for us, and we so appreciate what you've done. What the Heck with Adam Levin is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you like it, consider rating us on your favorite podcast service or writing a review. What the Heck with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.